Hi, this is Pastor Nelson Mercado. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast from the Nashville First Seventh-day Adventist Church. I hope you are blessed by today's message. This past Thursday, we honored our country, honored those or veterans, those who dedicated or dedicate their lives in the service of our country. We are thankful for those who um, saw this as so, such an important thing that they in some cases, sacrifice everything to serve our country. And we're thankful for uh, those of you who are a part of our church family who are also members or had been members of the armed forces. And so just wanted to, um, with thinking about you, I just wanted to honor you just by a, a small token. So if you are a veteran and at some point have uh, served in the, in the military, I'd like you to stand at this time. I'd like you to stand, those of you who have our veterans who have served our country, uh, please stand. I know there's a few more. All right, let's give them a hand of applause. Eh? Yeah, thank you for, for your service. And just, uh, I'd like you to come forward. I have just a little small token of appreciation for you folks. So please come forward. Thank you for your service. Thank you for your service. Thank you for your service, Henry. Thank you for your service. Thank you for your service. Thank you for your service, service, John. Huh? Yes, I'll take one. <laughs> Give one to myself. Let us pray together. Father God, we are thankful for, for Jesus, our Savior and Lord, for the example that you gave us of, about sacrifice. Thankful for those that indeed uh, served and dedicated their lives for that as well. We pray a blessing over them. And now as we open your word, we pray a special blessing through your spirit so that uh, you will convict us of what you want us to understand this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So in 1918, on the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month, an armistice was declared between the Allied nations and Germany in World War I. And just over 116,000 Americans died in World War I, defending the freedoms of our European allies. The following year, President Woodrow Wilson proclaimed November 11th as the first commemoration uh, to honor the soldiers who fought in that war. The day was originally known as Armistice Day. And then, um, some 20 years later, uh, November 11th was declared a federal holiday And in the aftermath of World War II and the Korean War, it was named Veterans Day. And you know, when we thank somebody who has served in the military, usually the response is, uh, it was an honor to serve. Because you see, with with few exceptions, those that join the military do it because they want to serve their country, because they want to serve the American people. In fact, one way uh, of saying it, when you, when you join the military, you say, I joined the service. That's how I, I, Jan Henry, that's how you say it all the time. I joined the service. Service is the key 
to any successful military career. And as a former uh, Navy hospital corpsman, I will tell you also, it was an honor to serve. But you know, the, the honor of service is not something that is just for those who join the military. Because the fact of the matter is, when you accept Jesus as Savior and Lord of your life, you by default become part of the greatest and most powerful army the world has ever seen, and that's the army of God. And as such, as part of the army of God, you too are called into service. So what does this service look like? Let's open our Bibles to the Gospel of Matthew. And we're going to spend some time there. Uh, We're going to look at Matthew chapter 20 and then chapter 25. But we'll start with Matthew chapter 20 and verse 28. Matthew chapter 20 and verse 28. I'm reading from the New King James Version. Matthew 20 verse 28. The Bible says, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So here in in this verse, there's a, a, a brief synopsis of the ministry of Jesus, the mission of Jesus. Notice that, that he says he came to the world to be of service. And the service was characterized by giving, and in his context, it was characterized by him giving his life for you and me. Not to be served, but to serve. Now, Jesus made this statement as a response to what, what I consider one of a, a, a sort of an embarrassing moment in the life of James and John, two of the disciples of Jesus. If you go a few verses before, in verses 20 and 21, this is what happened there. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to him with her sons, kneeling down and asking something from him. And he said to her, what do you wish? She said to him, grant that these two sons of mine may sit one on your right hand and the other on the left hand in your kingdom. Now, you've got to wonder, whose idea was this? I mean, was this mom's idea? It could have been that mom said, you know, I want the best for you, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, you know, go back for you. I'm going to go to Jesus and ask him to make you, you know, bigwigs in his kingdom, if you will. Yeah? Maybe it was mom's idea. Or could it be James and John's idea that they thought, well, you know, uh, we, we don't dare to, to ask Jesus this, but, you know, if mom asks, you know, Jesus may be softened a little bit and maybe he, he will allow us to be bigwigs in his kingdom. I personally think, obviously, it was the, um, James and John's idea. But, you know, it, it, as, as some of you know, the disciples and, and the rest of the Jews, they misunderstood the mission of Jesus. They thought Jesus was, was coming to, to, to defeat the Roman Empire and to make them a mighty empire again. They thought that the mission of Jesus was a political one. Jesus answers The request from James and John's mom saying, verse 22, you do not know what you ask. So this is why I think this was James and John's idea, because he's not speaking now to mom, he's speaking to them, right? You do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I'm about to drink and be baptized with a baptism that I am baptized with? See, Jesus 
knew what awaited his mission of service. He would be rejected, insulted, ridiculed, beaten, tortured, spat upon, and finally he would be executed as a common criminal on the Roman cross. Are you, he's telling James and John now, are you willing to go through this? You know how impetuous they were? Ah, sure, absolutely. No problem. But they didn't have the faintest idea what Jesus was talking about, and yet they were right because they would go through it. James, we know, was martyred. John, uh, we're told, tradition tells us that John died of old age, but it wasn't because he wasn't persecuted. We're told that, that they actually dipped him in a vat of, uh, of boiling oil, tradition says. They wanted to kill him, and of course he didn't die, so they exiled him to the island of Patmos, which is where he had the vision for the book of Revelation. He came back after that, and he died of old age, but he was persecuted. And that's exactly what awaited them. Now, the other disciples, we know that they got a bit upset at James and John. How dare you make this request? I mean, I should be the big wig. You know what I mean? But Jesus chimes in in verses 25 to 27. Notice what he says. You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over, uh, lord over them, and those who are great exercise authority over them, Yet it shall not be uh, so among you, notice, but whoever desires to become great among you, let him be what? Let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. This is certainly contrary to what we, uh, the mentality of our world today, right? Whoever desires to be great among you, you want to have greatness, you want to have power, you want to have influence, you need to step on whoever you need to step on to make sure you make it happen. That's how people think today. But Jesus says here, if you desire to be great, you must serve. You must be a servant. In other words, religion, ministry, and Christianity is not about you. It's not about what's in it for you. It's not about what you can get out of it. It's not what, what position you can hold. No, friends, being a Christian, being a disciple of Jesus isn't about with you, for you, but it's about others. It's about others. It's not about what you can get out of it, but about what you can give. Jesus came not to be served, but to serve, and he is our example. He is the, the captain of our army. See, the concept of service is paramount, foundational to Christianity. And we see it all throughout the Bible, specifically the New Testament. In the book Steps of Christ, page 76, author Ellen White says that wherever the life of God is in the hearts of people, it will flow out in love and blessing. So notice, if the love of God is in your heart, the way that it shows is how you show that to others. It flows out to others so that you are a blessing to others. That's how it flows. And we see this the same, again, the concept throughout the New Testament. James, in the book of James, chapter 1, verse 22 to 24, you can write this down and look at it later. James 1, 22 and 24, he says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only. You can be a hearer only. But he says, be a doer of the word, not a hearer only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in the mirror. 
For he observes himself going away and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. We can come to church to hear the word of God and that's it. We heard in a good Sabbath school class today. Okay, we're here, we're listening to the sermon. All right, pastor, you preached a good sermon. And I go home and come back the next day. And we do it every week, the same thing. But friends, what we hear should affect the way we live. And how we live is actually shown, as we see here, in, 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 in service to others. And how we're a blessing to others. That's the kind of impact the word should do in us. Verse 27 of the same chapter, James says, Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. Pure and undefiled religion is what we do for others. How are we of service to other people? Mm -hmm. In other words, practical outwork, the practical outworking of the new birth is found in acts of grace and kindness. In fact, we should put our own faith to the test by asking ourselves, among other things, does my faith manifest itself in acts of service to those in need who cannot repay me? Hmm? You know, there's a story of um, Franklin Roosevelt. His closest, we're told that his closest advisor during his presidency was a man by the name of Harry Hopkins. Harry Hopkins. Now, during World War II, uh, when his influence with Roosevelt was at its peak, Hopkins had no official cabinet position. Moreover, Hopkins' closeness to Roosevelt caused many to regard him as a sinister, uh, uh, shadowy figure. And as a result, Harry Hopkins became a, a major political liability for President Roosevelt. A, a political foe once asked Roosevelt, why do, you, uh, why do you keep Hopkins so close to you? You surely realize that, that, that uh, people distrust him and they resent his influence. And Roosevelt replied, Someday you may well be sitting here where I am as President of the United States. And when you are, you'll be looking at that door over there and knowing that practically that anybody that comes through that door ha wants something from you. You'll learn how lonely a job it is. And you'll discover that the need for somebody like Harry Hopkins, who asks for nothing except to serve you. And Winston Churchill commented on this, and he said that among the six most powerful men in the world in that time was Harry Hopkins. And the reason for this is because of Harry Hopkins' uh, willingness to serve. Think about that. The, of the six most powerful men in the world was Harry Hopkins. Why? Because he was willing to serve. Jesus said the same thing in verse 26. Do you desire to be great? Do you desire to have power? Do you desire to have influence? Then you must be willing to serve. We must become a servant. Now, we all know that we are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. But we also should know that uh, uh, we will be judged by our works. Yeah. And as we'll see, works of service will actually be the evidence for or against us. For or against us. Now, in Matthew 24, as some of you know, Jesus 
um, talks about the signs of the times, right? He presents things that we ought to look for that tell us, and things that are actually happening right now that tell us that Jesus Christ is coming soon. Do you believe that? Do you believe Jesus is coming soon? And And he gives us these signs because he wants us to be ready. He wants us to be ready. So we ought to look for this. Okay, Jesus is coming soon, let me be ready. Then in Matthew 25, Jesus presents a series of parables. Now remember, there's no chapter divisions in the original manuscripts. So when, when Jesus is thinking of Matthew 24 about our readiness because he's coming soon, he's still thinking about the same thing in Matthew 25. These parables that he presents are for that purpose, for us to be ready for his return. And so he, he talks about, first of all, the parable of the ten virgins. And in this parable, he shows us our need of the Holy Spirit, and he further admonishes us to be watching. We need the Holy Spirit to be ready, friends. Matthew 25, 13, Jesus says, you know, for you know neither the day nor the hour which the Son of Man is coming. And so since we don't know, we must be ready at all times, and we need to be watching. And one of the things, uh, or the persons that we need in our life is the Holy Spirit to be ready. Then he uh, presents the parable of the talents. And in this parable, he he teaches us uh, that we need to use the gifts that God has given us to advance his agenda. And I've told you before that each of us, without exception, has at least one gift. Some of you have multiple gifts. But you have at least one gift, and part of our readiness, part of what we do to be ready and be watching, is to use, to invest those gifts for his kingdom to advance his mission. And that happens here in the church, by the way. Some of you have one gift or multiple gifts, but you're keeping it to yourself. If you're keeping it to yourself, you are not preparing for for Jesus to come because that's part of our preparation. So I I I want to encourage you, use the gift. There's plenty of things we can do in this church for the glory of God to advance his cause if we all use our gifts for his glory. And then he goes on in verse 31 to talk about how he will judge the nations. So notice in Matthew 25, verses 31 and 32. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. And all the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate them one from another as the shepherds divides the sheep from the goats. So Jesus here uses an illustration that his audience is very familiar with. And although sheep and goats grazed together, we're told that the, uh, the shepherds uh, actually separated the sheep and the goats at night. The goats wanted to be warm, so they needed to be warm. They go to one place. But the sheep, well, they rather stay outside. They, they enjoy the open air. Now, sheep were more valuable than goats, we are told. Now, uh, um, Obviously, Jesus is using the sheep and the goat in a figurative way, right? Symbolic way. They represent something, okay? In the parable, the sheep symbolize those who are judged by Jesus, and he finds that they are righteous. They are the ones that are saved. The goats, on the other hand, well, those are the ones that are lost. But now, the separation between the sheep and the goat has nothing to do with what they look like, but everything to do with what they do or they didn't do. And so the sheep are placed on the right. The right side represents, typically, it typifies honor and blessing. Uh, the, the goats on the left hand, uh, left represents either less favor or actual disfavor. So Jesus now talks to the sheep, those on the right, 
and he says in verse 34, Come, you blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Remember, Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you, and I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come again. He went to prepare that place. So he's telling the sheep, listen, come and inherit that place I went to prepare for you. The inheritance that is for you. I want that inheritance, don't you? Now again, we are saved by grace through, uh, by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. However, our acceptance of the gift of salvation is made evidence by our actions. And Jesus explains this in verses 35 and 36. Notice. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. So he tells them, listen, you guys are saved. I I judge you to be righteous. You are going to inherit the kingdom. And he tells them why. Because you did this. But notice what they did was manifested in what they did for others. Now, the righteous, when Jesus tells them this, they're a bit confused. Because they don't remember a time when they did these things for Jesus. So Jesus uh, tells them in verse 40, surely I say to you, Inasmuch as you did it to the least, to one of the least of my brethren, you did it to me. By serving others, according to what Jesus is saying here, by, by serving others, by de facto, we are serving Jesus. Imagine that. Now, in, in, in Jewish apocalyptic writings, the, the, the world would be judged by how they treated God's people. That's how the Jews interpret it. But what we see in Scripture is that people are judged by how they treat others, by how they treat those who are less fortunate, by how they treat the poor. This is what Jesus is saying here. The righteous were judged based on how they treated those who were in need, those who were hungry, those who were thirsty, those who didn't have a place to stay or clothes on their back. And by the way, It didn't matter how they got to that position. Don't we become judgmental sometimes? Say, well, you know, they messed up this, they got themselves in this situation, so it's on them. And friends, you know, as Christians, we ought ought to be very different. And no matter what happens around us, I was listening to a sermon by John Lomacain this morning about sort of about the same thing. He, and, and I agree with the fact that, you know, so many things in our, in our country become political. Everything is a politics anymore. And, and while, you know, you, you may have an opinion about this and that and how things should be done in a right way, many people are coming into our country, whether you agree how they're coming in or not, they're coming in. And, and, and they're coming into our communities. In fact, um, I don't know if you know this, but because after the, the Afghanistan fiasco, there are many Afghans that are coming into the Nashville area. And guess what? These people are going to have some needs. And, 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 and should we stay in the sidelines and say, well, I don't agree how they came into the country, so I'm not going to do anything. No, that's not what Jesus is telling us. We need to help. We need to be of service to those who are in need. That's how uh, uh, the goats, or, or rather the sheep are behaving, right? So it, it seems obvious then that the, 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 parable, you know, the, the sheep here, when Jesus tells them, listen, you did this, they didn't know what he was talking about. And you know why they didn't know what he's talking about? 
because it was a natural out, you know, outgoing of, of, of their relationship with him. They didn't have to think about it because helping others was part of, his, of their relationship with Jesus. It became a natural thing. That should be how it, it is with us. We don't have to think about helping. We just do it automatically because this is how we show our love for Jesus. Service. The spirit of, and practice of selfless service had become so much a habit that they responded automatically to the needs of their fellow man. You see, you cannot be a follower of Jesus and not serve. Impossible. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're serving others. Now, um, uh, this man by the name of Steve Letty, he's a, an Adventist church planter. He was talking a little bit about this. And I want to, I want to quote him because I think what he said was kind of deep. Notice what he said. If a member is too busy to serve Christ, they have made an idol of the things they have chosen to put before God's calling. Maybe that sounds harsh. But I believe that if Jesus walked into many of our churches today, he would be braiding his whip to chase the pew potatoes off their comfortable seats. I can hear him saying, I have called you to be my body in this world, but you have made my church a den of spectators. Ooh. It was a punch in the gut. But if there, is there truth to this? Could it be that we're so used to, oh, well, I'm going to church today. We sit in the same spot every Sabbath. And, uh, you know, we listen to whatever we're listening to and sing some songs and go home come back the next day to sit in the same spot again. Now, maybe that rubs you the wrong way. But what happened to the goats? Notice what happened to the goats, verses 41 through 43. Then he, also, uh, then he will also say to those on the left, depart from me, you curse, into the everlasting fire, prepare for the devil and his angels. Why were to depart from Jesus? Why didn't they make it to the inheritance? Verse 42, for I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not take me in, naked, and you did not clothe me, sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. They were the opposite of the, of, of the sheep. The sheep were doing works of service for those that are in need. Those that uh, didn't come in and didn't inherit the kingdom, they didn't do those things. Maybe it could be argued that the ones on the left were the, what, what is it, the, the pew potatoes that were there to spectators, that spectator. Maybe it were those. And maybe it's because they were too busy. Maybe it was because they thought that they figured that somebody else would do it. Or maybe it was because they just didn't care. Regardless of the reason, the result is the same. By not being of service to someone else, they were not of service to Jesus. Yeah. You know, when, when, when we serve others, when we're helping others, the person that we're helping, that we're serving, is not the only one benefited. Because you are benefited too. We are benefited when we help others. Have you noticed that? You know, you got to use things. Uh, um, the great, we're told that the great violinist Niccolo Paganini, uh, he willed his marvelous violin to the city of Genoa on condition that it must never be played again. The wood of such an instrument, while used and handled, wears only slightly, 
But set aside, it begins to decay. Paganini's lovely violin has become worm-eating, worm-eaten, and it's useless except as a relic because it's not used. And it's the same thing for us Christians, my friends. Our unwillingness to serve others may eventually destroy our capacity to be useful. We need to be useful. And in this case, serving others, being of service. You know, like the veterans we honored in our country this, this, this week, like the ones we honored here this morning, um, again, as I said before, we are all part of an army. We are all part of God's army. And it could be argued that we are part of the service. We have joined the service. But being part of the service and not serving is an oxymoron, friends. It's an oxymoron. Now, I don't want to sound judgmental because I know that there are some of you who simply don't like to toot your own horn, and you're doing things, you know, you're, 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 tr- you're trying to find ways to be of service, to be of help to others, and, and praise God for that. But I think we all know that if, we, if we're honest with ourselves, we, we can acknowledge that the majority of us are not doing that. We're not doing that. And, and then we wonder, why isn't the church growing? You know, um, this past August, we've had our, our, our pastors meeting. We have, the conference does uh, ministers meeting twice a year, uh, sort of like a continuing education for the, the pastors, and we get some time off, that kind of thing. We hadn't had one in a year and a half because of COVID, so we had finally one in August. And, you know, they bring in experts in various fields to, you know, to help us and to teach us different things. And... Um, the, one of the, the pastors that came in was telling us a story about, um, you know, he went, he led his congregation into the neighborhood to give out tracts and books, just like what we're doing today, you know. And, and again, there's, there's a place for that, because you don't know the impact that reading a tract or, or a book will have on somebody, and that leads them to the, to, the, to, the, to the cross of Christ. In fact, Mrs. White talks about how important our publishing ministry is in the last days. So there's room for that. But in his case, he, he was telling the story. He said, you know, we're going on in the neighborhood uh, with, um, you know, giving us these tracks and knock on a door. And the gentleman opens the door. And the pastor introduces himself. So I'm pastor such and such in this church, and I bring a gift for you. The gentleman took the book and looked at it briefly and then looked at the pastor and asked him, tell me, what has your church done for our community? And the pastor were caught off guard, did not know what to say. And the reason he did not know what to say is because he didn't have a good answer. They had not done anything for the community. And so the gentleman tells him, when you can tell me what you have done for our community, then I will read your book. And with that, he gave the book back to him and closed the door. Friends, we need to be more intentional about serving others and being an impact in our own communities Amen. of being of service. Because when we're of service to others, that opens the door for the gospel. That gives us an opportunity. See, our problem is that we always want people to hear and us, listen to us. And if they don't listen to us, that's on them while we sit in our comfortable seats as pew potatoes. That isn't working, friends. Matter of fact, 
I've told you this before, some of you know this. I am, uh, uh, I am passionate about public evangelism. I am. Uh, I've had the opportunity of doing this in, in, in here in the, in, in the United States. I've got, had the opportunity of doing it in other countries. I've been in this church for three years, and we actually had one evangelistic campaign. You remember last year uh, in March, we started it in March, but COVID put an end to it. So we had only six presentations. We had to cancel it. Now, think about it. I, I have not. I'm telling you right now. I'm, being, I'm, I'm straightforward with you guys. I have not scheduled another one. Now, you may wonder, well, how is it that, Pastor, you're passionate about public evangelism. My graduate degree, it focuses on evangelism. Why is it that you're not doing it? The reason for it, friends, and I'm being honest with you, you know, we spend thousands of dollars when, when we do a campaign like that. Because we expect people to, look, there's a Revelation seminar coming up. Oh, I'm going to go. Now, that worked decades ago. Decades ago, you send out these flyers out, people saw, oh, I got to be there. But that doesn't work anymore, friends. Our strategy of expecting people to come to us, to listen to us, has not worked. And it's not working today. We expect people to come to us when we are the ones that need to go to them. When we are willing to go to them and to be of service to them, then God will open those doors. Remember Christ's method alone? We've talked about Christ's method alone several times. We want people to, we want to say, people, follow me, you know, the first thing we tell them, but we're not doing everything else. We're not working, we're not building relationships, we're not being of service, and it's not going to work, friends, and our church will not grow until we get off our pews and do it. We need to be of service. Service to those who are in need. The strategy is to serve others. We must be willing to go out. We must be willing to find ways to serve those that are in need. And with that in mind, just with that in mind, if you look inside your, um, your bulletins, you will find uh, a list that I, I placed there for you. Because as you can imagine, there in, in, in a city like Nashville, there's a lot of things going on, there's a lot of needs, and there's a lot of resources that we can be part of to be of help to those in need. So uh, you look at there, there's uh, one, two, three, four, five, seven different, not uh, just seven, there's probably more, uh, resources, organizations, where you can plug into to be a service so that you don't become like the violin, right? You don't want to become like the violin and decay. You want to be of use and grow, and, and this is part of your own spiritual growth. So you can go in there. I included the website of all these organizations. In some cases, you go there, and you have to you know, do your own uh, um, create an account, and then you can look at whatever volunteer opportunities out there. You can do this by yourself. You can do this with your family. I've done this with my family. It's always a blessing to do it. Uh, and you can do this as a group. You can do this as a church. Groups in the church, ministries in the church. I want to encourage you, you know, men's ministry, women's ministry, Sabbath school classes. Go on and plug into this. Because that way we are, we are shining, we are being of service to our community. If that ever, ever happens to us where you know, people ask us, you know, what, what have you done for our community? We can tell, yes, well, to thanks for asking. You know, let me tell you what some of the things we have done. And that will open the doors for the, uh, for the gospel of Christ. Again, we've all joined the army of Jesus. 
And we, are, we have you all joined the service. Friends, it is indeed an honor to serve. May we be able to say the same thing. It was an honor to serve because by serving others, we are serving Jesus. Amen. Is that your desire to serve Jesus? Well, let's, let's find ways. Let's be intentional about serving others. Amen. Thanks for joining us. If you're ever in the Nashville area, come and visit us at the Nashville First Seventh-day Adventist Church. We're located at 2800 Blair Boulevard in Nashville, Tennessee. You may also visit us at nfsda.org.